0: And just like that, the preseason with Buffalo Bills and the rest of the NFL is over. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Bills Beat, however you're listening to us, whether it be on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, or on Stitcher. Uh, My apologies to all of you, because these are going to be some piping hot takes after, after a fourth preseason game that was, you know just ripe with analysis and everything along those lines. We saw perhaps the greatest comeback in Buffalo Bills preseason history get a hold of the fever. But I did say this to you, Matthew Fairburn, and I might I might want to start here because why the hell not? Very unpopular opinion. I'm on team fourth preseason game, and I think I'm a little insane. I think I, I can uh, fully admit to that. But when you have everyone basically with a shared goal on the old social media verse, everyone just throwing out their favorite sarcastic remarks out there. Everyone's on the same side in the uh, in the fourth preseason game, so there's a sense of community there, and I and I enjoy that. I also rather enjoy the art of building a roster and seeing whether or not a guy actually earns it but probably more so the communal part I had a lot of fun tonight I'll be honest I don't know about you but I maybe not the time of my life but I had a time
1: was this would you say it's the most fun you've ever had at a fourth preseason game most fun you've ever had ever no no so you wouldn't go as far as AJ McCarron
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't I suppose I suppose not
1: because A.J. McCarron said that was the most fun he has ever had. Ever. On a football period. field or just period?
0: He, he was pretty broad. So, he said period. So this is a man who has gotten married, right? He's has at least one child. Another on the way. Another on the way. He's won three national titles.
1: Good family man. Two SEC titles. Was drafted. He legitimately said this was the most fun he's ever had. I'm assuming he's talking about on the football field. Has to. But still. So he's on team preseason game number four national champ. Rallied the troops last night. Before the you know the night before the game and just emphasized to all of them about the fact that they may never play again. They may never. All play together. Well, they most likely all of them will not play together again. Some of them will never play football again. And they had a, I mean, it was the first time, you know, it's, it's a funny remark, right? Right. That it was the most fun he's ever had. And he called it legend, you know, came into the huddle before the final drive and told everybody. They were going to go down and win, and that it was going to be legendary. So I'm never going to forget. People this fight, will. So he might be right. People will laugh at that, but it was the first time the entire preseason that AJ McCarron did look like he was having fun.
0: <laughs> I know, and even in the first half, it looked like he was pretty ticked off the entire time. It, his his body language was awful for thirty minutes,
1: and it's the first time I thought. Maybe you can keep him around. Maybe his attitude and everything else will be okay. Maybe it won't. Maybe he'll want to leave, which would be understandable given sure. the fact that if you just played the whole fourth preseason game, you're probably not well you definitely didn't win the job, even though Sean McDermott said he's absolutely in the mix. Absolutely. I mean, I Sean McDermott, who by the way, I mean, of course we'll we'll get to get to it, but I mean, no lineup notes, you know, no <laughs> pregame inactives, no flip card changes, you however, know, the standard lineup stuff, none how, of it.
0: However, I did like playing detective for the three hours leading up to the game because they had that massive pregame workout for the guys who matter. And there were thirty six guys in total, and they they weren't wearing helmets, they weren't wearing jerseys or anything. So it really put you to the test to see whether or not you knew what these guys looked like. And all starters were accounted for except for Zay Jones. Zay yes. Jones was the only starter not among that th- group of thirty six. Corey there.
1: Coleman, I guess, He's, if you count him you know, in that group, but no, he he basically he had to earn it. basically it was. Yeah, everybody who mattered. Mm-hmm. And they made Corey Coleman and Zay Jones play. But, yeah, it was. But the whole secrecy of keeping everything under wraps, everybody, I think, knew A.J. McCarron was going to play most of that football game. And I don't know. Just. Yeah. It's just getting old. Yeah. But eventually. It's about to be over. We're, that's we're, what we think, but within, he may take this thing right up
0: to the wire. That's well, we're within a week and a half of it being over, and then perhaps we're held hostage every week to see when Josh Allen will be brought in. But um, AJ McCarron, he was ticked off in the first half, and uh, yeah, I think I think he had a right to be. He was essentially Mufasa to the Bears' wildebeests. I mean, that's how well the offensive line was blocking for him. And he wasn't a happy camper early on. And, you know, I get it. I totally get that. But is he actually the absolutely part of the, the quarterback discussion after what he did in that game? No, I don't, I don't think he is. I mean, if anything, I think they probably helped themselves as a team because now A.J. McCarron has shown he can deal with the on-field adversity and play with, I don't want to say scrubs, but not great teammates around him and was able to do what he did. I think some team will probably try and convince themselves that, hey, you know what? Our backup situation kind of stinks. It sucks, man. Denver Broncos, you're gonna go with Swag Kelly. You're gonna go with uh, AJ McCarron. How about the uh, Los Angeles Chargers? You're gonna go with Geno Smith or Cardale Jones. You can go with AJ McCarron. I mean, there's not the Raiders. EJ Manuel completed eighty percent of his passes. I'm about tired tonight. Of, of that. Paxton he sling slinging. You know what? Paxton Lynch went. I think went fourteen of fifteen. I saw. So. Third, Fourth preseason game, everybody. Everybody looks good. But the thing is, because A.J. McCarron has actually successfully backed up somebody before in Andy Dalton. Oh, by the way, how about the Bengals? Matt Barkley got hurt. What about sending good old A.J. back to Cincy? Because Cincy would have him at a controlled cost. I mean, we make fun of Mike Rodak a lot on here in, in uh, you know... In, in good taste. He, he could take it. He's a big boy. But he made a great point. The team taking on A.J. McCarron would only have to pay him $900,000 for the year. The Bills would have to eat the rest of it. So it's not as though the the financial ramifications are going to be keeping teams at bay here. I think there's a legitimate case to be made. And I know we're we've been discussing this a little bit for the past week, but I think... All his performance did was help them, especially coming back from a 5 of 18 for 39 yard start to come back and win. I think I think teams are going to like that. I really do. It didn't hurt his trade value.
1: No. In the first half it looked like nobody would want him. And yeah, he the would pick 6. Oof. And he would end up on the Oof. waiver wire and again, I mean when you're on the field against the backups to the backups, you know, you can only draw so much from it. But I think I took more away from the fact that he did think that they were still in it and never really backed down and never really quit. And sure, it's a meaningless exhibition game, but I think my bigger question with A.J. McCarron throughout this whole summer has been if he doesn't win the job, can he suck it up? and fit in and tonight was the first time I thought maybe he can and maybe that means that he would fit in somewhere else but you know what
0: you know why he had fun though because he was playing and he had an opportunity to play if if he doesn't have that it might not be as fun I think he's got very sulky tendencies and and anytime the, the starting job
1: was brought up when he talked tonight for six or so minutes it was probably the best you know, most comfortable he's been in that setting since his opening press conference, and the only two times it almost went off the rails was when one person asked him if he thought his roster spot was safe, and another one asked what he thought the fact that he played the whole game meant for his standing in the quarterback what competition. What did he say to those? Well, the roster spot question, he said. I have no idea. And I don't... And at that point, I thought it was going to shut down because he was pretty pissed. And then at the other one, he said, you know, I don't know, and I know you guys want to talk about that, but I'm still, you know, riding high from this win and enjoying this moment. And I was like, okay. But (laughs) point being, he was actually enjoying talking about the game and... You know, celebrating with the guys and all that stuff. So maybe there was an element of closure for him, and maybe he still does want to play elsewhere and have a better opportunity because being the third stringer isn't really right behind two really a two good, guys good that are time. younger than you as well because they that have
0: no they they have less experience by a long shot. Than and him.
1: that's the that's the thing is that. You could say that maybe he would be the backup, but they tipped their hand by playing him. And they, you know, Sean McDermott can say it was just part of the plan to get A.J. some time and make up for missed time, but I think we know that's a load of garbage because yeah. you don't play a guy that's seriously in consideration for your starting job for full quarters, especially the way he was getting beat up in the first half. And the he way got he, Mufasa. It's the only yeah, way to say it. He... Yeah, he got he got the crap kicked out of him for a little while. So, he's pretty much out of it, which is tough for him. And where he goes and where the bills go from here will be interesting. I could still see them keeping him on the roster through the weekend and maybe just seeing what happens. Yeah, I
0: think, I think that's probably they, the right read. When
1: the dust settles, if they can get rid of him in a couple weeks or whatever. But... He certainly made things interesting with that second
0: half. Yeah, he did. And when we have uh, all of these different areas of the roster trying to tug at a spot, and then you have a quarterback who the Bills, I think, I think it's fair to say that they have their top two in place. I mean, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't uh, put McCarron out there the entire game without signing a fourth quarterback. If you weren't thinking that way, it that is very much... Uh, they can sit there and say he's a part of the competition all they want, but they literally did not let 36 different players that are important to them, the core players that they didn't want injured, they did not let them touch the field once. And A.J. McCarron wasn't one of those guys. So if he was... And he's coming off an injury. <laughs> right. So
1: <laughs> if they really cared... Not to say they don't care, I guess. I'm sure they care about his overall well-being. On some level. But if they really were concerned about his availability for week one, he's not out there for four full quarters getting hit the way he was getting hit. And he knows that deep down. Credit to him for putting that aside and playing well and staying in it for four quarters, but... I just don't think it's—I think it's too little too late, and I don't think it's going to make a difference. And comeback aside, the first half was pretty ugly. So, yeah. uh, you know, his overall performance was still left a little something to be desired, even though he came on really strong at the end. Yeah, that
0: pick six was bad. It was really bad. So I think we're both of the same belief that Brandon Bean's going to try to move A.J. McCarron, and, because it would be smart to at least explore it. And then go from there. So, from there, we have to move to the other two quarterbacks and where this whole thing kind of plays out. And I will say, uh, as we uh, were greeted by the sirens of Chicago, I will say, up to this point, I've been thinking to myself, all right, it's probably going to be Nathan Peterman. I think I worked myself into that enough based on what we've seen how Josh Allen kind of looked a bit behind the page so to speak uh, after that Cincinnati game. But then Brandon Bean talked. And Brandon Bean when speaking about Josh Allen said literally said these words. He's done enough to warrant an opportunity to start. He went on to say that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to, but that first part is true. And when I hear the GM of the team say he's done enough to warrant an opportunity to start in the regular season, the wheels in my mind get going because I don't know that he's not going to come out and say, no, he's not ready. He's not ready anything like that. He would say something along the lines of, you know, we really liked his progress, we like where he's at right now, and we, we feel good about, about where he's going. But saying he's done enough to warrant an opportunity for a start is at least a little startling to me. Because this comes from a guy who the last time he was a part of an organization that took a quarterback first over or in the first round was the Carolina Panthers with Cam Newton. And if you go back and you look at the 2011 Carolina Panthers roster, it's not as though they were. They had uh, a lot of great players greeting him around him on the offensive side of the ball. They had D'Angelo Williams as their running back. They had Steve Smith as a starting wide receiver and Greg Olson. They also had Jordan Gross at left tackle and Ryan Khalil at center. But other than that, I mean. You want to know who the other starting receiver was, Cam Newton's rookie year? I know this because I looked it up a couple weeks ago, but the name is escaping me. Former Chargers player? Legadoo Nane. Legadoo Nane. N-double-A. Is it double-N-E or N-E-E? I think it's probably N-E-E. Either way, Legadoo Nane was the other starting wide receiver. His starting lineman I believe Jeff Hangartner, former Bill, was among that. I think he was his right guard. Travel Wharton was his left guard, who was also pretty bad. Byron Bell was their right tackle, started as a rookie. He was kind of a nightmare. So it's not as though they had a great supporting cast around him. So again, Bean has seen it work with a rookie quarterback going straight in. Sean McDermott has also seen it work with a rookie quarterback going straight in. I'm not going to say it's, ha- it's going to happen, but you have to take notice when a GM says something like that. And I don't know. I still probably favor Peterman a bit, but I got to admit it's closer than it was after hearing the GM say that.
1: I've thought all along that if Brandon Bean were the one making the decision, Josh Allen would have a leg up because I think he's eager to see him on the field. And that's his guy. Sure. Through and through. I mean, his job is tied to that guy. However, Brandon Bean would have to pry Nathan Peterman from Sean McDermott's cold, dead hands. (laughs) If he wants to keep him on the bench. I mean...
0: For what it's worth, Bean really likes Peterman, too.
1: He does, but find you someone who loves you the way Sean McDermott loves Nathan Peterman, is all I'm saying. Because... That is a a bond that cannot be broken. And I feel like Peterman, the way he... If Peterman had stunk in the preseason, it would be a different conversation. But the fact that he played well, I think I still lean that way. But being saying that opens a door that previously wasn't open. Because before this whole thing started, the refrain from them was... He could start 16, he could start 0, and we're not going to tie ourselves to either one. Opening the door and saying that he earned an opportunity to start at some point means it's happening in 2018, which I think we knew the way, you know, watching Josh Allen play, he's not so unprepared that he doesn't belong on the field. Yeah, he's not Paxton lynching this thing. No, but week one is still a different conversation, and I, you know, it's it's hard to say who will start when they're, you know, keeping it locked down. I'd be fairly surprised if it were Josh Allen, but I wouldn't be floored by any means, because I do think in the end it was pretty close, and obviously Josh Allen ended on a low note against the Bengals, but that didn't tell the whole story of camp, and we also haven't seen practice the last couple of weeks, so We're missing pieces of the puzzle here and I think that's the way they want it. But I'll be it's I think the longer it goes on where they keep it a secret, the more you think are they are they gonna pull a fast one and put the rookie in. Right. They might. They could. Because why else I wouldn't rule rule I mean, Sean McDermott likes to keep secrets for the sake of keeping secrets sometimes. You know, for instance tonight. But you can't really blame him. I mean, the competitive advantage of keeping the lineup a secret probably helped him make that comeback. Yeah, sure did. Um, no debate here. But maybe he would still see some competitive advantage in keeping the quarterback choice a secret. To me, that would almost benefit Josh Allen more because you're yeah. protecting him from the week of attention and scrutiny, I guess, that comes with it. But... I don't know. To me, it's like, name a starter. Right. You know, but there's, also,
0: there's also this in the for wor- what it's worth department. When the Bills were warming up today, and actually all the players were going through their warm-ups just because routine, everything like that. McDermott's big about that sort of thing. and You know, for good reason. But when they were, when the quarterbacks were worth working with the centers, A.J. McCarron was with Adam Redmond, who is the third-string center. Nathan Peterman was with Ryan Groy, who it seems as though has taken a hold of that starting center job. And then Josh Allen was with Russell Bodine. So perhaps that was a glimpse into what they did on the Bucket Hat Day. (laughs) Or perhaps they just are pushing uh, the decision down the road until they actually have to make one. So again, that's in the For What It's Worth category. You can put however much stock you want into it, but it it's, a, it's, a, it's either going to be Peterman or Allen. That's for sure. And I'll tell you what, sometimes my head tells me Peterman, my gut tells me Allen, and t- sometimes it's switched. <laughs> That's how up in the air this is. I, I don't know, something about that quote from Bean just sticks with me he's done enough to warrant an opportunity to start that you you don't hear that and I don't like to look too far into things but Bean isn't also afraid to say what he wants to for instance perfect example last year in the build up to the fourth preseason game right after Darius had uh, had shown up late to Baltimore he said uh, Beans said uh Yeah, anybody who's not going to buy in will find a way to get him off our roster, no matter what the financial ramifications are. And lo and behold, Darius is gone. Darius gets traded later on that year. So when Bean wants to get a talking point across, he's not afraid of it. It's not as though I asked him, is Josh Allen ready to start, either. He said he's done enough to warrant an opportunity to start. But again, he did say... Doesn't mean he's earned it. Doesn't mean we'll do it, but he's done enough. I don't know. When the GM of the team is saying that, I just can't shake that. I just can't. I refuse to, actually.
1: Is it? I mean, wording could sometimes be tricky. Maybe he was saying he's warranted the opportunity to be in the conversation. Maybe he slipped up and went farther than he wanted to go. Yeah, perhaps. Um you know, Freudian slip of sorts, but... But Freudian nonetheless. The other, the thing that I keep coming back to is will it ultimately be Brandon Bean's decision? And as the power structure is at the moment, it won't because Brandon controls the 53 and Sean controls the 46 and yada, yada, yada. But he will have, Sean McDermott will have to name inactive players next week. Oh, shoot. Poor guy is going to have to tell us who's inactive.
0: Well, I guarantee you, active. I can predict two of them every single week.
1: And, <laughs> yeah. Ray, so, Ray
0: McLeod and Saran Neal. Batter assuming
1: up. they make the roster. Yeah, they probably will. Both. And that's a, an interesting part of this weekend and going forward, is we're now at a point where the roster is full of their guys, mm-hmm. pretty much. Mm-hmm. Give or take a guy or two. It's it's easy (laughs) to sit there and say, you know, puff your chest about character and fitting in and culture and whatnot and cut, you know, these guys that aren't your quote-unquote guys. I think it takes a little bit more to cut a draft pick. You know, would anybody fault them for cutting Saran Neal? He hasn't really done much. Nope. Would anybody fault them for cutting Ray Ray McLeod? Probably not.
0: I mean, I think he probably does Want a spot? Well, but if they do cut their five, six, and seven, then people are gonna be like, "What the hell are you doing? Your team isn't that good. Why are you giving up on these young guys that quickly?" True, but the like Austin Prohl just get is as good roster. as cut. Just get out.
1: And yeah, so I mean, there's some part of that. I mean, you could argue that Zay Jones you know hasn't done
0: much to earn what he has as a role watch it because for the for a long time for the entire first half he was the only wide receiver to catch a pass true so watch it
1: but we're <laughs> it talking like, about like a
0: 2 yard catch too
1: we're talking about a guy who really hasn't done a whole lot and think about how quickly they got rid of Ronald Darby uh huh. Sammy Watkins, I mean, very talented, proven, established players. So, I mean, Ronald Darby with how many years left on his rookie deal? I think two more. Two has one. He's in the final year of his rookie deal now, right? right? So, like, that was a quick trigger, you know. And how quick of a trigger are you gonna have on Zay Jones? I guess it's a, it's different because he's their guy, and that's. Right. I guess my point is. You know, you have to, they're going to have to make some roster decisions that won't be easy, and it doesn't hurt to show that you are going to keep the best guys, and you're not just going to keep your guys. Mm -hmm. And this is an opportunity for them to prove that this weekend, because, you know, Adolphus Washington was out there tonight. He uh, He could be in trouble. I think he'll make the team, because they're in a tough spot at that position, but... Yeah, I mean, it's. I'll, I'll be interested to see how this final roster comes together. Bottom of the roster does not look great, but they do have a few intriguing little
0: battles that we discussed earlier that I think will come down to the wire a little bit. Yeah, I agree. And we'll get into those in, in just a minute. But before, but first, before we do that, the uh, what we're working on portion, or what we've worked on in this case. <laughs> how yes. about you at The Athletic? Theathletic.com, I am...
1: Caving, and doing a 53-man roster projection.
0: I have a feeling we're going to have the the same answer. For My, this question, by the way,
1: one and only 53-man roster projection. What? We'll also have something up on AJ McCarron's evening. Tim okay. Graham is handling that. All right. And I'm working on a story on Cam Phillips that I think people might enjoy if you like stories about guys on the bottom of the roster. I kind of. Focused my attention in on one guy a couple weeks ago as a, you know, how does the this bubble guy go through camp and the highs and lows of a preseason and what that's like and trying to capture it. I talked to a few people close to him, talked to him tonight, talked to him a couple times during the, the course of training camp, and he's a... A guy who I think got lost in the shuffle a little bit. He may end up on the practice squad. He may end up elsewhere. Mm -hmm. I do not think he's going to be out of the league just yet because I think he can play. But he didn't get a ton of chance to prove it here after he got hurt. So it's a pretty interesting story. And, you know, a guy to keep an eye on during cut-down weekend. I'll have that story out at some point early tomorrow. And I'm also working on something you know. A little bit about. Uh oh. I can't totally tease it out yet, but one of my favorite interviews I've done in a long time.
0: Oh yeah. Okay.
1: And peeps. This one's gonna be good. Yeah. It was fun. I'm trying to get in touch with a few other people for the story, but it will it will have some relation to the conversation we've had many times before on Josh Allen and and you know whether he's ready and things of that nature but got got a perspective that I really enjoyed getting um, and I'm gonna be working on that story probably most of the weekend and getting it out there as soon as possible for the people so yeah y'all are gonna be like
0: how'd you how'd you track that dude down
1: (laughs) but yeah it'll be that'll be a fun one so if you go to the athletic slash bills beat you can still get 40% off a year subscription comes out to about two ninety nine a month for the year, and we've gotten tons of good feedback from all the higher-ups at The Athletic about how many people are subscribing in Buffalo and, and the early success we've had. I think we owe a lot of it to the Bills Beat listeners and, and others who have uh, supported the effort, so they want to keep giving you guys a, a little little something extra. So go to com slash Bills Beat, and you can get 40% off.
0: Alright, and at WKBW.com much like Mr. Fairburn will be posting his, my final 53-man roster projection has been posted. The biggest question I had was about AJ McCarron, which we've talked about quite a bit on this podcast. Uh, So you can find that right now over at WKBW.com and you can also find over there my full one-on-one interview with Brandon Bean to which he discussed a plethora of things with me including the quarterback situation Uh, that quote that we've been talking about um, from him about Josh Allen about doing enough to warrant an opportunity to start Um, also was waxing poetic about Nathan Peterman had some interesting words about Corey Coleman said uh, one uh, defensive lineman might just be ready for week one how about that I'm not going to tell you who. I'm going to have to go click on it. It's one of two guys. You can probably guess it. Someone not named Williams on the defensive line. So how about that? Hmm. And um, and then he also had some thoughts on the offensive line and Tremaine Edmonds and, and Edmonds' trajectory. So you can find all that in... Uh, You can find the interview in full, and on the same web web page, you'll see my uh, five takeaways from that conversation. So that's over at WKBW.com. All right, some of these individual positional battles, and we won't take too much time into this because we've kind of bogged down with it throughout the duration. I think the two positions that ended up being the most compelling this evening, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but just by the way the roster's kind of setting up, Tight end and cornerback. Tight end, we saw Charles Clay and Jason Kroom rested. So Kroom, welcome to the 53, officially. He's he's in. Um, So Kari Lee, Nick O'Leary, and Logan Thomas conceivably would be fighting, three guys fighting for either one or two spots. At cornerback, uh, the Bills rested. Four different players: Tre'Davious White, Vontae Davis, Phillip Gaines, Taron Johnson. All of those welcome to the fifty-three. The other guys: Brayon Borders, Lafayette Pitts, and Levi Wallace. All fighting for maybe one spot. Not convinced it's one spot, but but probably one spot. We'll start with tight end. What did you see, and what kind of uh, what's the way you're leaning with with that group?
1: Right now, I have it as Charles Clay, Jason Kroon, Nick O'Leary, and Kari Lee. I think it was close between Kari Lee and Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas was on the field longer tonight. Mm-hmm. and Bad that sign. Generally is not a good sign. I, I just think Kari Lee brings more to the table as a blocker. He's a more complete player. I think that's more important to Brian Dable. Logan Thomas has come along as a tight end. I just don't think he's come far enough to warrant... You know, being on the roster at the moment, he's he's a fine player. He had a decent preseason, and maybe even better than a lot of people expected. If you know, a few years ago when they signed him and converted him to tight end, but I just think Kari Lee is the more complete player. I do think they will keep four though, because knowing Brian Dable in this offense, I think that's an important thing to him.
0: I agree that they'll keep four. Um, I also have the same four making the team, but I thought it actually came down to Nick O'Leary and Logan Thomas. Just a kind of a minor flip. Just because Kari Lee, it was quite noticeable that they were putting him in there on run plays only and then they would sub him out and bring in Logan Thomas and Nick O'Leary on certain tight end passing based formations. So when you have that and the two guys ahead of Kari Lee are Charles Clay and Jason Kroon two guys who, you know, Clay's a a solid blocker Kroom is not a good blocker whatsoever so when you have Lee already fulfilling that role I think he's pretty firm and then uh, Nick O'Leary I'll tell you what he played his way on I thought he was dead I thought uh, this was going to be it for the old 6th round pick but he fought back in that game which game was it? the Cleveland game had a, Ever since had, then, had a big he's second been half. back up. Right, with the,
1: with the second team. The second team, basically, in his old spot. Yep. So it makes you think maybe they just wanted to put a scare into him, a guy that's gotten pretty comfortable in his role and wasn't playing that well, and I, I think
0: it worked. I think he's probably right in the game-day inactive category based on Depending that. on the matchup yeah. and what they want to do on offense. Yeah, but I mean – it. If Kari Lee is healthy, Nick O'Leary is not going to be in the lineup, I don't think, unless they're really going to go for it with four, four tight ends, but I can't... On some that. days, they might. Yeah, sure. Yeah, maybe. Um, So, yeah, I have the same four making it. Cornerback, the the top four we've established, and then it came down to three. Brayon Borders, Lafayette Pitts, and Levi Wallace. The difference between three Brayon Borders... um. Can do a little bit of both. Can play defense, can play a little special teams. Lafayette Pitts, more of a special teams guy. Levi Wallace, more of a defense guy. Didn't really do many special teams. Lafayette Pitts also left a lot to be desired on the defensive side of things. So, I think I'm going to know your answer based on what came down in this game. But of those three corners, who you got in the 53? I went with
1: Breon Borders because he had the interception tonight and I thought he played the best and if they were you know, coming down to the wire on that decision then I think he earned it and it's close and honestly I think by the end of the weekend it might not be any of those three guys, it might be somebody from outside the organization because yeah. as we talked about that's a spot where they need some help and maybe they trim it down to four corners and, and seek outside help to fill that role because Breon Borders was good, but he wasn't lights out all preseason. There's a reason it's coming down to the fourth and final
0: preseason game to figure out which one of these guys belongs on the roster. Oh, yeah, he definitely struggled early on in the camp. And, yeah, I think uh, I've got Borders as my fifth cornerback too, but I totally agree. I mean, him being on the roster after 4 p.m. on Saturday is a completely different story as to whether or not he actually makes it through the remainder of the weekend. But that INT certainly helped. Lafayette Pitts taking a face mask penalty certainly helped because he's just, it's tough to watch him defensively. And then Levi Wallace, I think they want to keep him on the practice squad, um, but I also think they have to send him on his way in the huge wave of cuts to make sure that he actually is able to be snuck onto the practice squad. All right, so those were the, the two big projections or the two big positions we talked about. Now, very quickly, the Dree Archer Award, and then we got to get to come on Darlene. So, the Dree Archer Award goes to the player that did not show up in this game in one way or the other. I think my answer is going to be Marshall Newhouse. He was not great in this game. I've got him making the roster still just because I know how much the Bills like veteran guys and experience over anything else but he had two penalties tonight was constantly letting guys in i just i didn't like his day at all i thought he was a no show one one way or the other how about
1: you i mean conceivably you could give this to any number of <laughs> the guys who didn't because play because there were like 30 something guys who didn't play i know I think the Dree Archer, it could be somewhat fitting. Well, I could give it to, to two guys here. I'll start with John Ryan. Kind of <laughs> through no fault of his own. Hasn't gotten a ton of opportunities to punt the ball. Got three punts total in his Two preseason. tonight. One wasn't great. One was decent. Mm-hmm. It's not really a fault of his own, but they sign him. Conceivably as competition. And then don't give him a whole lot of chances to compete. At a position where you need to be punting the ball to compete, so that's one. And save for one or two moments, Tyler Bray.
0: Whoa. He was pretty quiet.
1: He had some good throws. He had a couple good throws where we both turned to each other and, <laughs> you know,
0: I had to wave a towel at but you to make sure he wouldn't. He had some moments, but I was, consciousness.
1: And maybe it, it belongs in the hands of the offensive game planner for not letting Tyler Bray let it rip. Yeah, maybe that's you, the, real, the real the real Dree Archer award goes to him. But, but yeah, I wanted to see a little bit more.
0: Man, you totally – I don't want to overstep my boundaries here, but you could have totally saved him for come on, Darlene.
1: I could have, but I know what, I, what I'm doing for coming. Well, then lead us right there. Let's go
0: into Come On Darlene, Little little post-game edition. We
1: talked about it a little bit already, but Come On Darlene to, to Sean McDermott for not posting any inactives or anything, trying to keep it a secret in the fourth goddamn preseason game.
0: Those, those that were going to bet the over on eight and a half uh, Sean McDermott come on Darlene's for the 2018 season, they are mashing the button to Vegas saying, listen, put me in for, for a grand here. Sean McDermott, yeah, I know. I- it's early yet, but man, it
1: wouldn't have been that hard. Nor would it have really mattered. And keep in mind, these don't count towards the bracket. Don't even have to name A.J. McCarron the starting quarterback. Or even name every single guy who's not going to play. But, you know, you had 30-something guys not playing. I know. And to not put one on there I thought was just silly.
0: It's not a huge deal, but come on, Darlene. Right. My come on, Darlene, has nothing to do with the game. That's good. (laughs) My come on, Darlene. Those are the best come on, Darlene's. Goes to Matt Beauvais. Here's why. Matt Beauvais when we walk into the hotel because we're we're going to be hitting the road we drove to chicago he said you know what i'm gonna go up to the front desk and have them give me a wake-up call and i go you were born in like 1992 like when are you in wake-up call society? Come on, Darlene. I gotta, you, I you, gotta defend, I gotta defend Beauvais here. I think the wake-up call is a savvy move. Well, hey, okay. This coming from the guy who in London asked for a wake-up call and they never. And called. I didn't get it, but so what's the use? Nearly disastrous
1: results on the London wake-up call. You were basically Perhaps a story for another day, or perhaps a story <laughs> for this day. Who's really to say? But. The wake-up call can serve as an insurance policy. I still—I would never rely on the wake-up call alone. I and hope if he's Poves not. if Beauvais is doing that, then he's a sociopath. But <laughs> I had no choice but to do the wake-up call in London because right, so. both of my phones had died. And I had no charger because I had (laughs) left it somewhere. You didn't have the converter? And so, no, I I had left it in Jonah Javad's hotel room because I was working in there earlier. London was a strange trip because we're spread out all over the city. Mm -hmm. And so I had somehow, you know, I got done working and then we went out. And then I get back and I have no charger. Both my phones die. And I'm thinking, how am I going to wake up? Right. You know, and... I may or may not have had a couple adult beverages that evening, so I wasn't you know, counting on my ability to just wake up out of bed. And so I thought, get a wake-up call. And I went down and I said... What was it a day of which,
0: practice or something?
1: Yeah, I think we had to go to practice, which you had to get to the media bus which was across town
0: that took you out to the countryside and i was
1: staying in some shanty hotel that was harry potter's closet it was the tiniest hotel room i've ever stayed in there was, was like a, a communal breakfast table
0: for the whole it was more of a hostel than a hotel the bed the walls around the bed were basically right touching the bed all, all four of them it was incredible to to see
1: and I somehow woke up. I was meeting Rodak. Rodak, we were gonna get in, because he was staying near me. Well, that
0: was your first mistake.
1: And he, we were gonna get an Uber over to the shuttle to go to practice. And somehow I woke. But again, my phones are dead, so it's not like I can like Rodak can call me before he leaves. And he's assuming that I've, you know, just overslept or something. And he's about to hop in the Uber. I woke up about like six minutes six to 10 minutes before we were scheduled to leave. Very strange, when you don't have your phone, how the world can just start collapsing around you. Mm -hmm. But I managed to stumble across the uh, streets of London and get into that Uber at the very last second as Rodak was pulling out. And I uh, got my phones charged and and everything ended up okay. But point being,
0: wish I had a wake up call. (laughs) <laughs> Life would have been a lot easier if I had had a wake up call. Well, I mean, but you, you can't rely on it. And I, I just, he, he's relying on it. And you know what? Would it be in totally poor taste to, it's, it's 2 o'clock in the morning here in Chicago. Would it totally be in poor taste to give uh, old Beauvais a wake up call right now? I, I mean, maybe teach him, teach him a lesson about wake up calls. Yeah, I think I might. So I'm going to see if this here speakerphone works. This is live podcasting, kind of. Let's see if this actually works. Turn up the volume. So much for a wake-up call, huh? Doesn't even. Uh... I hope that was his room. Oh, it was. I know. I know it was. If it wasn't, I I apologize. Hopefully, about. he's a bit more responsive to his next wake-up call. <laughs> We're gonna tell <laughs> because him because <this>. he's driving. <laughs> We're gonna tell him this tomorrow. <laughs> he's gonna like, he missed his opportunity to <laughs> wait, make his
1: bills-beat debut. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be kicking
0: himself. At some point. <laughs> oh, I wanted so badly for that to work. B- groggy Beauvais. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> oh, well. All right. Well, my other come on, Darlene, goes to the Bills for not signing Mike Rodak to be your fourth quarterback and, and be your punching back. So, missed opportunity there, Bills. Totally. It would have been – it would have made the fourth preseason
1: game probably the most entertaining. Oh, yeah. And –
0: Bill's history, if Rodak were out there as the quarterback. I know a lot of fans would have enjoyed it. Alas, maybe Uh, next year. I was still holding out hope with like 57 seconds to go that, hey, you know what? Maybe, just maybe, they're going to put a little Rodak in there for the (laughs) one-minute drill. But, nope. Alas, earwax. All right. So, preseason is over, folks. And uh, we've got about an eight-hour road trip ahead of us um, on Friday. So hopefully this finds you on Friday morning on your morning commute or however, whenever it is you are driving to work or on the treadmill or really anywhere that, that you listen to us. So hopefully this gets you your fix before cutdown game day comes on Saturday at 4 p.m. So for Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic, for Matt Bovee, who did not pick up his phone for his wake-up call at, at uh, 2 in the morning, which, you know... Kind I, of a come on, Darlene. Come on, Darlene, to Matt Bovee for I asking I went for a, to bed, like, 20 minutes ago. Should we try it again? Mm, you know, it wouldn't hurt. <laughs> okay, let's do it. I was just doing the wrap-up. Who cares? Let's just... Let's go for it, huh? Come on. Hello, you've reached the Courtyard Chicago Downtown North. Oh, not a sponsor of the show. <laughs> but they could be <laughs> they if could they're be. interested. <laughs> if they would like to. Uh, oh, it's okay. It's all over. All right. So Courtyard, the official hotel of the Bills Beat podcast. <laughs> It's not. No. No sponsor. for Just giving them a sample the of what it yard, might sound like. Smartyard. <laughs> um, anywho. Uh, so, thank you all for listening throughout this entire preseason and training camp. The Bills beat will charge on once we get to the regular season. And, of course, you know, into the off season past that. This thing really never. The train never really stops rolling along except one, if one of us are on vacation. That's That's about the only time. All right. So, for Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic. My name is Joe Biscaglia. Thank you all for listening once again. And we will talk to you next week when maybe the Bills announce a starting quarterback? I'm not holding my breath. Talk to you then. See ya.